Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, the podcast where we explore how assisted reproductive technology changes lives and our world. And we mean all things assisted reproductive, (laughs) right? (laughs) Definitely. So today is a little bit different than we're used to. Um, I I mean, I don't think they'll, I I guess there's something very controversial about surrogacy generally, where across the world, there are um, very differing thoughts about ethics, etc. And I think in America, people People are pretty supportive of surrogacy, so we don't see it as as controversial here. Um, I think this episode today falls into the controversial area where we are interviewing a private sperm donor, and there is a lot of different thoughts on whether that makes sense when you're not going through a system. You know, although there's not a lot of regulation in place, there there is some for sperm for sperm banks where they're doing certain testing and and a lot of it um, is state checking. by state too, though too, <laughs> yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this I mean, just not even to leave and give away, but this is a completely like one specific state that this person is, um, shall we say, operating in. <laughs> yeah, and I have to say, I don't think I do a great job in the interview of explaining the law. Or or like arguing that I think that what he is doing is very risky legally and that I would strongly recommend anyone who goes this route to talk to an attorney first and really know your risks. I, I and even actually get- <laughs> listen to them and take their advice. And- yeah. Because <laughs> this, I, I understand, I think private donation can make sense in certain situations, but I really think um, it is important to get attorneys involved and to talk to medical providers and really talk to professionals and understand what risks you are incurring and to either you know take steps to, to mitigate that risk or at least go in with your eyes open. Right. So, okay. Are we ready to open some eyes? Uh, All right. Come on, Kyle. Welcome to the podcast, Kyle Gordy. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Thank you for having me. So, Kyle, you are a new and unique person and story, so we're excited to have you. We've never had kind of a donor extraordinaire join us. (laughs) Is that the right way? I mean, we have had donors who were extraordinary, but you definitely have a unique story. Um, Before we fully dive in, do you want to to generally introduce yourself and who you are and what you do and maybe a little bit about your background? Yeah. So, well, obviously my name is Kyle Gordy. Uh, I've been donating privately now for five years my sperm not through a sperm bank but through like uh different outlets like you know obviously i'm on facebook um craigslist i well craigslist is gone but that's initially where i started and um now I pretty much get a lot of my... I'm just going to stop you. Is Craigslist gone? Wait, we both just gave each other a really <laughs> shocked look. Like, I guess we're behind the times. I, I don't know us, that. Is that. Is that a thing? Oh, yeah. No, um, Craigslist is permanently gone. I don't know if you heard about the law, but it was a sex prevention law uh, because of Backpage getting shut down because they were, uh, I guess, promoting sex trafficking and so congress passed a law where if you're a website and you facilitate crimes you can be charged with a crime and so craigslist removed their personals uh section oh. so that's initially where i, I started craigslist still around because i think i was telling someone oh you should look to buy something on craigslist so that's still a thing it, it's it's, it's not, a not thing but what i meant it, it's like so Craigslist is still here, but the personal section is closed because of the law. So that's what I meant. Like, I can't go there, and that's where I started. So now – I just pretended to be surprised. I had to go go out and uh, – <laughs> I pretended. I know. Nice. I can't use the personal <laughs> section. Oh, yeah. Good, good pretending. Sucks. Wow, interesting. Okay, sorry. So continue. So like I said before, my name is Kyle Gordy. Uh, I live in Los Angeles. I've been donating sperm privately now for about five years um, to singles, couples, uh, you know, lesbians. Um, It doesn't really matter if they're straight or lesbian or bisexual. I pretty much donate to anyone. Um, I think I said I already live in Los Angeles. And uh, right now I have over 15 kids. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the, the basic background. Did you grow up in Los Angeles? 
Yeah, I've grew up in multiple places throughout Los Angeles, uh, Marina del Rey, um, Santa Monica, Manhattan Beach. Currently, I just moved back to my mom's house, uh, you know, in the Malibu Hills area. So I've been everywhere. Great. Um, and what are you currently doing? Are you, a, remind me, are you working? Are you a student? I, I graduated a while ago. I do, I do some accounting work here and there. Um, so that's pretty much what I do. And what first interested you in, or what did you first hear about sperm donation and families form this way? Did you know about it early on? Um, I kind of just started on my own. I didn't know about it. I kind of, I guess, started myself like, just like, oh, there's Craigslist. I'll just go on Craigslist and see if people are interested in, uh, this this thing or whatever so I just you know did it went on there and uh you know there is some people that are interested in um I pretty much started because um I didn't think um I was ever going to get in a relationship and have kids myself so I figured if I can go and you know obviously help someone have a kid and then you know obviously I guess there is a it's a kind of a sense that it allows me to have a kid as well uh, because I'm not going to have a kid, so I can help others have kids. But I also... Not to pry, you know, but this is such a personal topic and touches people's lives so so intimately. Can I ask, what made you think that you wouldn't have a relationship or your own children to raise in the future? I think it was more like, I think some people are relationship type of people and others are not relationship type of people. And I think I'm one of those people that... I'm just not a relationship type of person and it's just, uh, it's just what it is. But also, um, if you look at, you know, obviously people, most people that end up together and have kids end up divorced or they break up anyways. So to me, my husband would be surprised by that 25 years later, but yeah, <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, I mean, statistically like my parents got together and they were only together a few years and have kids, but now they broke up and then they have a strained relationship. But with me, it's like, we were never together. So us having a kid and whatever, there's no drama in a sense, like, you know, we didn't break up. We don't hate each other. You know what I mean? So it's very civil pretty much. It's, it's so a different thing. How old were you when you did your first donation? I think I was 22. I think I just turned, was it, I just turned 22 or and maybe a little bit after I turned 22, I think I first did it and <clears throat> it was a lesbian couple and they live, how far do they live from me? They live in Ventura County. So they weren't necessarily that far. I do know they drove about an hour. They're like, we're an hour away, Kyle. It's going to take us an hour. So they came over and- That could be like one mile away in LA. I know, right? To my understanding. It, yeah, no, it was, I was like somewhere in Ventura. Um, I don't want to say exactly where, but they pretty much drove and they gave me a, uh, one of those little, I guess, sterile cups in a little plastic bag and they gave me it. And I went to my room and they were in their car. Um, and I oh, just wow. turned on some porn and I did it. I think in like 10 minutes, I came out, gave them the cup with it, the sperm in it. And then she got a syringe she the partner put it inside of her and then they came back the next day we did it again and then i think 10 days later or two weeks later they told me they were pregnant and so that oh, was wow. like my first time doing it wow. yeah i was like man i'm like right. it's funny for a try. Yeah. yeah i was like oh man i'm not sterile <laughs> I, was like, I was like i'm not i'm not infertile i was like i was so excited because i was like yes, I'm not infertile. So that was definitely, uh, cause I wasn't eating all that healthy. When I first started donating sperm, like I wasn't eating organic. I wasn't taking really any supplements. I really wasn't eating anything special, um, at the time. So I really wasn't sure. And then, um, two weeks later, a girl flew out from Miami to see me and she got pregnant the first time as well. So, so I, I, sorry, I want to go back on that first one is, did you have any kind of agreement with them any legal agreement any written anything you know a, a, just a spoken agreement how how did that work what were you guys what was everybody's expectation um we didn't really have like any agreement we just kind of verbally agreed and 
they're like, they told me what they do for work. Like I asked them questions. Obviously I'm not like, okay, if they said, Oh, we don't work, we're, you know, we have no money. Obviously I would have donated, but they, they, you know, we got to know each other. Um, one of them was like a manager. The other girl had a, um, a good job, really good job as well. Um, and they were planning on buying in the, the near future. So we talked a bit and we just said, you know, we were financially stable. We're good. Um, no issues. So that's pretty much, we just did it then. And it's kind of like, it wasn't any contract or anything. We just kind of agreed that they wouldn't go after any, like we just agreed they're going to take care of the kid and I'm not going to be responsible for the child. So but they did it. was in writing to say. Nothing was in writing. Um, we didn't have anything in writing. We just verbally agreed and we all accepted that this would be um, the thing. The partner was going to take the responsibility, I guess you could say. The partner was taking the responsibility for the kid. I guess that's kind of what our agreement was. Like, I, I don't say I don't remember. It's so long ago. It was like five years ago. I can't remember exactly what was said, but and I know that, there's something along those lines. That first one of them finding you and you guys connecting, that was by you posting on Craigslist or just putting yourself out there? Or was there some other Yeah, way? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's probably close enough. Um, but yeah, pretty much putting myself out there. She uh, She contacted me and that's how they found me. Um, another thing about this one is it's my oldest kid. He's about to turn five in November. They actually came back a few years later for a second kid and and she got older this time. And this time as well, she got pregnant on the first time. And now the kid is going to be two. I think she's, she's going to be two in September and the other kid's going to be five in November. And they texted me about uh, a few weeks ago and they want me to meet both the kids. They want to take like pictures. And she's like, oh, we met up because I met the oldest kid already. When they came back for the second kid, they brought him with her. They brought him with them to meet me. And so we took pictures and stuff, me with the kid. And she's like, oh, we want you to meet the other kid. Could we go to like a park and go to like lunch or the beach or something? So we really want you to meet our daughter. Um, so she feels like she wasn't, I guess they don't want her to feel left out. Like he got to meet me and she didn't. So I'm like, yeah, like just let me know whenever, maybe for his birthday or something or her birthday, we could all meet up and go to the park and, or have like a, a, a play day, all of so, us and take So pictures. you have an ongoing relationship with, with at least some of the people you've donated to then. Um, yeah, I talked to a lot of my moms, actually very, some of them I talked to very frequently. I actually do have a Facebook group for most of my moms are in the Facebook group. So I do get to see pictures uh, very frequently. And I talked to a lot of my moms. Like yesterday, I was actually talking to a mom on a video chat. We were, we video chatted because she wanted to talk about me, uh, uh, having, so, so this is an interesting story. This couple came from Mexico to get a donation from me and they got pregnant on the first time. So they're not American citizens, but they have their passports, but they're like, they want the kid to be American. So they're like, um, I was reading the research. I think I'd have to sign for the kid or I was going to call the embassy later today to ask. So I'm going to call him probably, you know, after this is over and ask about how do I make the kid American? Do I have to give the kid money? Or if I obviously if I have to give the kid money, I'm not doing that. But um, if, you know, I just have to say I'm I made the kid, I'll probably do that. Uh, Are you? worry that that will establish a parent-child relationship that I mean I know you're trying to help with citizenship but are you worried that you could be responsible for child support in the future yeah I mean I think they're pretty well off they own a house in Tijuana um she one of the moms actually works in America but lives in Tijuana so she makes American money she's like a manager in America but she lives in Tijuana in a really, really cheap house that they own. So they make good money, but live in a cheap area. So she's like, yeah, that's why she, they don't want to live in America at all. And they're like, yeah, we make plenty of money. Obviously we would never go after child support. They both have really good jobs. Uh, we just want another kid. So they told me that, you know, we would like it. Um, you know, they would prefer the kid to be American just in case, you know, maybe he wants to go to college or something here. That's pretty much the reason. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and aside from them, you know, being financially stable, I mean, things change. So I feel like that might, as an, an attorney, that would worry me. And I think we've also talked about the Craigslist Kansas case, right? Where even when the couple was in complete agreement, there's yes. been situations where the state said, you know, we're going to seek child support from you. Do though, how do you feel or react to those kind of cases and scenarios? Well, um, obviously, obviously there's no guarantee in any case what's going to happen, but obviously, you know, California does have a law, uh, for this. Um, I do understand if the state itself, like, let's say the state pays welfare to the child. I do understand that the state needs to get paid back, but I guess it was, I don't know if you guys heard it was actually reversed. And so now the guy doesn't have to pay because they were a couple. Right. It was only reversed because they did ultimately decide that the second mom had greater legal parental rights. Um, so I think many yes. legal experts say, well, if you're donating to a single parent, that that, you know, that saving grace, that that judgment wouldn't apply. Yes, exactly. You're right. No, I don't actually donate to a loss. I rarely, rarely donate to a single woman. I only have two kids with single moms. They're both much older and one has a Ph.D., and the other owns her house and has a good job and her parents are well off. And her parents, from what she said, are very well off anyways. Um, so it's it's not too much of a concern because I don't donate to single woman that often. But yesterday, I w well, actually two days ago, I was talking to a 20-year-old girl. And she lives actually fairly close to me. And she wanted me to get her pregnant. But she lived with her mom and she didn't really have a good job. And I decided not to donate to her because it was too risky because she's single and I'm just like yeah I'm not I'm not gonna take the risk because I don't want to you know the kid you know I I don't feel comfortable like like she's not gonna go after child support so I made a decision not to donate to her so that's interesting so you have an you have many requests and you only accept some of them it sounds like or at least you are I wouldn't down some. I wouldn't say have like a lot of requests requests in the sense that most women that want my service are far away. Like I don't donate that often. Like I think in April I donated one time, May I donated once, and then this month I donated the the three people. But one of those people I donated to this month was a girl that already has a kid by me and she wanted a second kid. So um it's not like I donate that often, but I donate sometimes I used to donate more, but I definitely uh, cut it down a lot more, I'd say. So I have so, so many questions. I'm trying not to jump around. But uh, you did mention the California law. So I did want to talk about that briefly, that, you know, the Family Code Section 7613B kind of talks about ways that you can do at-home inseminations and still have legal protection, which, and just for, I mean, I know I feel like you know this well, but for some of our listeners, that this is unique to California and a few other states. So for example, in other states like Kansas, where that case happened, or Colorado, there are statutes there that say you have to use a licensed physician to be recognized as a donor and for the recipients to have that protection. So California is unique. Kyle, do you want to talk about your understanding of your kind of protections and legal situation in California? Well, my understanding of the law may be different from yours. So I feel like <clears throat> I feel like it's kind of similar to Kansas. I feel like if you donate to a couple, a, whether it be a straight or lesbian couple, whether or not they're married or unmarried, my observation of the laws: if I donate to one and the parent, other parent that isn't getting pregnant, agrees to be responsible for the child, and then that other parent legally has to pay for the child or is financially responsible for the child in the future. And that would pretty much free me up from any liability. Like, let's say they sue in two years for child support and we have an agreement. I could say, well, she's agreed to take care of a child. I would be protecting that case. Now, another thing that I'm very concerned about that there's another situation here is what happens if it's a single girl. Now, there hasn't been a precedent set. My understanding, if the girl's single, the law doesn't take hold. Like, let's say a girl, I went to Oceanside recently to donate to a single girl, and she was insistent I sign a contract. And I was like, no, I don't want to sign a contract because I'm concerned about child support. I didn't end up signing it, but I just, you know, used like a 
you know, a, a different alias or something because I didn't want to, and I didn't, I just kind of scribbled. I didn't really, I was just like, yeah, I know, I'm you know. as an attorney that, that to kind of find that surprising just because generally the contract, assuming you've read it and it's saying your intentions, which is that you're a donor would be in your best interest and your protection. And one of the the elements of the law that changed in California was to provide. So I don't. Um, do you know about the Jason Patrick case? Is it something that like in your? Um, I think I heard about it. Um, it's something I I, I kind of remember it. Yeah. So there was this actor who was in like the Lost Boys, which was popular best back when we were I don't know in high school dating ourselves. Long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so there was this actor, and he um so he went through procedures where he gave his sperm to I think she was an ex girlfriend at the time, but then ultimately ended up taking a role in the child's life, and there became this court case where she argued he was only a donor, and he said no, I was a parent, and eventually this law passed that said that you can do at-home insemination and you can have protections of donors, but you should be signing documents ahead of time or at least have clear and convincing evidence as to that intentions. And so for those people in California who might be going your route, there are actually forms that you can use that say, you know, I intend to be a parent. So like in Jason's case, Jason Patrick's case, he probably would want to sign a form that says my intent is to be a parent before um, providing his, his DNA. Well, in your case, you might want to consider forms that say, you know, I am a donor and I have no intent. Okay. But, but here's the thing about me. Let's say, okay, obviously I'm not too concerned about her going after child support. Let's say she gets pregnant. Now, this is a very question. This is a question that's always pondered me. Let's say she gets pregnant, right? Now, once she gives birth, let's say a few months later, she ends up applying for welfare and they ask, oh, who's the dad? They give him my name. They give the, at the welfare office, they say, oh, here's his name with the contract on it. He did sign a contract, but now she's applying for welfare because she doesn't have the money. What happens? Does the government say, well, like he needs to pay back the child support because the welfare, because we don't want to pay for this kid because she's broke and she's single. There's no one taking responsibility for the kid. So you need to pay. Yeah. So the good news of 7613B is that by laying out those intentions clearly, especially when you do it in writing, which makes the evidence clearer that it can, it can um, protect your legal rights that you are a donor and are not entitled to parental rights and not obligated to pay child support and vice versa on her side. Um, so, so I, so as an attorney, I recommend signing those forms. I'm assuming that your thinking was that if you sign the form, that they can find you easier, more easily, and that um, that by not signing, that they just don't know who the who the donor was or who the dad was. Yeah, yeah that's a, that's my logic, and I'm not so concerned about her. I'm concerned about like in the case with the Kansas case. The woman didn't go after child support. It was the government that went after that applied that was giving the mom's welfare and the government wanted to get reimbursed for the welfare. That was my concern because the government never signed the contract to give welfare to the mom and me. You know what I mean? It's not like the government has any contract with us. So why would the government just be like, oh, let's just give this mom free welfare instead of going after this guy? You know what I mean? Like, why would they just do that? They just. Because then you could say like, well, I could just say like, well, let me just go get this broke girl, like the 20 year old girl that lives near me. I could just go get her pregnant and have a contract, but she applies for welfare. And then they just go after me and say, well, you got this broke girl pregnant. That's your right. fault. Well, so, I mean, obviously I always say, you know, talk to everyone's situation is different. Talk to an attorney. But but so one, there's the statutes are different in Kansas. They did say you have to use a licensed physician. And so whether you had it in writing beforehand or after, as long as there wasn't a licensed physician, you didn't have that protection in a state like Kansas. But in California, at least you have more protection that they don't have that same requirement. But the other part for your concern to say, you know, like they won't find me if I don't put my name. I mean, just I know I know you know this, but the reality is that these DNA tests out there, like you don't even have to take one. Your third cousin can take one and they can triangulate and it's easy to find people. Um, But yeah, no, I think that's that's really interesting. If you don't mind backing up, there's so much I'm curious about um, in terms of kind of your motivation and your background and um So I did want to talk a little bit and kind of your relationship. So even like the story when you're saying like they want to meet me in the park and um, have take pictures, what does that, what does that mean to you? How does that, 
Well, I think it's uh, I think it's great that the moms want to meet me because uh, you know I think it's uh, since I'm not a sperm bank, you know what I mean. So it's like it just shows that you know I have uh, I'm like I'm a better option than the sperm bank in the sense that I I allow the kids or moms to meet me whenever in a sperm bank. They don't allow you to get their information until 18. So it's, you know, it, it gives the moms the option. I think it's cool. You know, I'm gl- I'm happy to see the kids. I have no issue seeing the kids. I'm actually, I think it's great that any moms that allow me to see the kids, that's awesome. I don't force any moms to, you know, obviously I never force them on or tell them, oh, you got to let me see the kid. But obviously if a mom wants me to see the kid, I think it's great. And I think that uh, it just shows that, you know. Okay. I'm trying to avoid the legal, but I'm going to go back to it. So I, I guess like one fine line, if I were in your shoes, I'd be concerned about is if you kind of accidentally establish a parent-child relationship that there is, and there, you don't have any clear evidence that you were a donor beforehand, you didn't sign anything, and there isn't kind of that evidence to show that that is a situation where someone might say, well, maybe he is a parent and that the evidence supports it. So I don't, I, I get it. And I, I think it is really healthy to have a donor who's open and you can meet with and know everything. But from a legal stance, I, I do see concerns about what if a parent child relationship is established and there was, but I'm not, I'm just meeting the kid. That's the thing. I was like, like, let's say like I meet this kid like one time and the mom, obviously, obviously I'd make the argument in this case that the other mom has greater parental responsibilities than me because I'm just meeting the kid and that's it. Like, let's say you meet a kid once a year and go to the park. Like, you're not taking care of the kid. I'm not paying for the kid. I'm not taking the kid to school and stuff like that. So, you know, just meeting the kid one time. I mean, there's a lot of dads, unfortunately, who I think take that role as well. Right. You know? <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think that is really good to, I, I definitely am a big proponent of known, you know, knowing information, Absolutely. especially, you know, even with sperm banks you know, more people think they're anonymous and they go and find information. There's no, you know, people say things about who they are as donors and that often is not exactly the case. Um, on that front, do they, do your recipients, do they ask for kind of confirmation or STD uh, testing? I'm, just curious, I'm curious, like what yeah. they, what they require. Um, yeah, I actually uh, have, I do try to get tested as often as possible. I just sent my STD results to someone today. I was going to, I guess this is another topic I was going to ship sperm to tomorrow. Actually, I was going to put my sperm, sperm in the mail um, and ship it to How her. How does that work? Yeah, yeah I have to ask that too. Yeah. How does that work? I'm not sure if I wanted to bring it up or not. I was debating, should yeah. I bring it up? I, I feel like people would be curious. Yeah. Like, what does How that, does that I, work? Is it dry ice? Do you use dry ice? Okay. Um, so pretty much, um, let's, let me go over the shipping sperm. Pretty much, um, I've actually never shipped before. This will be the first time. Um, I've ever shipped, but I just feel like I need to start shipping because everyone that wants my sperm is far away and not everyone wants to pay for my travel, even though I have traveled to multiple places and have kids in different states from traveling. So pretty much, um, I have kits or actually have an extra bedroom at my house where, um, I have all my shipping supplies. So I have like a bunch of boxes and I have, uh, um, ice packs in the freezer and I have this stuff called TYB. It's called tech test yoke bokers test yoke buffer. And essentially what I do is when I ship the sperm, I mix the sperm with the test bulk buffer and then mail it out next day. And the test yoke buffer while it's and the ice packs keep the sperm chilled and that test yoke buffer feeds the sperm and keeps it alive until it gets to their house, usually around 10.30 a.m. the next day. And then they would inseminate um, pretty much within like 15 minutes. They just warm it up and then inseminate. Um, it's very interesting. I've never, like I said, I've never shipped before. Yeah. So this How is, did you learn that? I just, internet? Or yeah, I guess I just do research. I guess it's like kind of like a... It's kind of like a research thing, like how would they shit sperm? There's also other things you could use, like muscle milk. You can also use canine extender. You know when people ship sperm, I think for horses, they'll ship horse sperm and they'll ship 
canine sperm and you could get this canine extender and mix it. I can mix it with that if I want to. I've been considering it. I but. mean, I guess it makes sense that we've been, you know, with animals, you know, shipping Through, for so long. For, yeah. For yeah. Technology is there. Yeah. Technology is easily there. Yeah. It's not an issue. It's just obviously you, I have to do my research on how to ship it. So I pretty much have pretty much similar stuff to what canine sperm would be shipped with um, or I think like horse sperm or whatever to, to breed and stuff. So I'm going to pretty much use that stuff. I think it's just a better, better stuff. I think it's actually the stuff that the cryobanks use actually. It's actually uh, from I understand it's somewhat similar to what the cryobanks use to ship their sperm. Um, so there is a lot of similarities there uh, to the cryobanks for the, for how they ship, but I can also ship frozen sperm. Um, and that's, I think pretty much exactly the same stuff the cryobanks use. So you can do, I can do frozen or I can do fresh. I don't have any frozen vials currently just because, um, it's hard to keep them alive because it needs to be below a certain temperature. So I need to buy, I either need to constantly. It's not like your yeah. standard freezer. Yeah, yeah your standard freezer probably, it may keep it alive a little bit, maybe like a, yeah. a month or two in your freezer. But really, That's not an ice cube. Don't use right. that. Right. Don't use that. Yeah. Don't cook with that. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's, but it's probably not worth doing, at least right now. Maybe in the future, maybe I'll get like a little tube with like uh, something to uh hide ni- nitrogen liquid nitrogen to keep if that's what they use liquid nitrogen to keep refilling it to keep it cold so maybe i'll buy like one of those liquid nitrogen tanks in the future and have like a mass supply of sperm like 20 things of sperm stored up in my freezer and just in it and it's here when you come i could just give it to them then you can just take a vacation yeah, yeah i could just give it to people <laughs> when they come or like ship it out or just hand it to people um when they come if you know i'm busy or something like that so it's it's a it's an interesting thought so maybe in the future uh so how so first off tell me a little bit more about your background kind of what what about your background tends to appeal to recipients or how what information do you provide out there that they they see well uh the information i don't know i think i guess i'm pretty educated i did graduate with a 3.96 gpa uh bachelor's degree but i don't know if that's that impressive it was the highest gpa in my graduating class out of a few hundred people um and then um i don't know i think my uh you know my dad was a lawyer uh, my grandpa. Oh, lawyers. Yeah. My, my, I, mean, I guess it's not that. He was a Jewish lawyer. So, you know, had his own law firm. So that's, I guess people like that. And then, um, you know, as a lawyer, I'm, I'm promoting lawyers. Good job. Lawyers. Yeah. Yeah, lawyers. And then, um, let's see who else. Well, my grandpa was a PhD. He was a nuclear physicist. He was a PhD and he worked at a UCLA as a professor in his older years. And then my, my twin brother, he is a like a nuclear electrical engineer. He actually works in DC. He's like the, like a head at the uh, department of defense now or something. He runs like, he does like the whole security systems for the department of defense, even though he has a nuclear electrical engineering degree and a couple of master's degrees. I think he's getting his PhD in computer engineering pretty soon. He got accepted to a program there. But I, I mean, I always look at it this way. Me and my twin have the same genes. So if my twin has a PhD in computer engineering, it's like me having a PhD in computer engineering. So, um, yeah, and that's uh, that. But although if I think about it now, I don't think people really care about the education that much. I think the real reason people use me is because my sperm is free uh, compared to – I guess it's another thing. I don't, I don't charge. I do charge for shipping costs and travel, but compared to me, I'm free. So I think that's what makes me desirable is, you know, I'm free. I know what I'm doing. I – also take about 18 supplements a day. So I don't do drugs. I eat pretty much all organic food. So these are traits that make me, um, that may, these are traits that make me, I guess, desirable to people. Yeah. And I know we briefly touched on your motivation. I feel like people kind of may question that just because, you know, you're not earning any money from it. And of course it takes a lot of time, especially if you're traveling. So I mean, it really is. <laughs> tell, tell me more about your motivation. Well, I, I, see, help. see, the thing is, so the motivation, like I said, originally I got into it because I'm like, well, I'm probably not getting a relationship and have any kids. So I think it's best, you know, obviously I think this is another alternative. It's like, well, if I can go out, help someone have a kid. And then, you know, obviously, obviously, you know, I am. But knowing you have no intention of having a relationship with these kids, it's just kind of 
your knowledge that your yeah I, I think spread? I think one can say that I'm still it, it's like I think a regret kind of thing like let's see let's say I didn't do this and I just grew old and I'm like 60 I'm like oh I never had any kids I think I think it has a lot to do with that like at least I at least at least I had at least I did it you know what I mean so yeah I mean I guess there there's just the question of the line of like are these your kids I mean they're genetically connected to you but they're not the same thing as someone who has a kid and raises the kid right yeah no I don't I don't um okay well let me I should probably rephrase so one of the kids actually calls me daddy <laughs> Uh, he's actually my favorite kid. Um, he, Ouch, don't tell the other kids. <laughs> don't tell the others. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I tell them because I look at it this way. Some some moms I have uh, a, a deeper relationship with, so I say, listen, he's, he's my favorite kid because I've seen that kid the most. So I think, um, you know, obviously him being my favorite kid is an issue because I've seen him more than other kids. And uh, most of the kids I haven't even seen, I just – seen pictures maybe or that's pretty much about it so uh, to them does he live, they look more does he live near to you they're in vegas so okay. four four and a half hours Flight. away yeah it's not it's not that far but again you're not you're not worried that especially with those kind of facts of being called daddy that there'll be this legal parent-child relationship where you could have an obligation beyond what you were in, intending. Yeah, I honestly, in this case, obviously, I know she could go after child support. She's in Vegas. There's no law there protecting her. So my logic is, in this case, she has all rights to come after child support, but she's not going to because we've known each other many, many, many years. The kid's over th- is like three and a half now. She has her own house. She has a good job. Her, I think her family's you know, fairly wealthy i mean i guess they want to say so it, it, it's a trusting you know what i mean you just gotta make sure like i think it, it's think about it this way let's say like someone had money and they why, why would you go after someone for child support if you already have a lot of money why do you want to ruin that relationship with someone that you're you know we're, we're like friends you know what i mean like why do you want to kill that relationship and be hated by that guy you're you're the guy that gave yeah. you kids. So. She also she also spent about yeah. she also spent about ten thousand dollars on fertility treatment. So she was going to use a sperm bank, and she told me, "Yeah, sperm banks are ripoffs because they, the bank told her because she tried with like three other guys uh, before, um, like you know, like friends she tried with, and they couldn't get her pregnant, and she always thought there's something wrong with her, and with me." We literally did it one time and she got pregnant and she's like, yeah, but she, because the banks were telling her like, oh, you need to take these pills. The only way you're going to get pregnant is IVF. So she spent like 10,000 in the belief that this was the only way she was going to get pregnant. And she told me, yeah, the banks are ripoffs. Like there's no reason to ever use a bank. So she got ripped off. Uh, Back to the, the background question, I know you said that you do STD testing. Have your recipients or these parents asked you to do any genetic testing? Have you done, uh, have I, you done genetic testing? I've never done any genetic testing, but um, I am open to it. If anyone wants to pay, I don't know how much it is, like a few hundred bucks, 300 bucks or something, I'm happy to pay. I'm happy to go get it done. But no one's ever, um, no one's ever told me to do it, so I've never done so- it. So none of the things like whether – do you know things like if you're a cystic fibrosis carrier? Or uh, I would say probably not um, because I may have had a genetic testing when I'm younger. I, I don't remember. I think when I was like five, I may have had something done like a genetic testing. Um, but I, honestly, I'd have to probably go look deeper. Um, I don't have my medical records. My mom actually keeps all my medical records when I was younger. So I'd have to probably – it's like a big folder of – all my doctor's appointments I've ever been. She, she keeps all my doctor's appointments I've ever been to, you know, my yearly physicals, any, any like any time I went to the doctor for a surgery, like a ER, like one time I had stitches cause I, I, I uh, like tripped or something. I had to get stitches. Another time I, I like went in, you know, for the ER real quick for, you know, I had like an earache or something like that. So I have all these, these, this huge book of stuff every time, like every little thing, all the bills and everything just, it's mostly actually medical bills. It's actually just like medical bills and stuff over the years. So, um, I, this so is, look- I have to say as a lawyer who works on these contracts, especially with egg donation, I would say, I mean, there was so much testing involved where the recipients, the intended parents kind of check for genetic diseases. It's, it's amazing to me to hear there's, there's like nothing, but 
Right. You know, I, I hear well, if, if it makes you, uh, you know, feeling better, um, there's been a lot of scandals with sperm banks and there's a guy with Zytex. Absolutely. That's very true. Zytex had a guy and I think it was 12 out of the 36 kids have schizophrenia. Um, so really you can make an argument and say, well, what's the difference between a sperm bank? They're obviously not doing a very thorough testing if there's kids coming out with issues, you know. Um, I don't know if schizophrenia is genetically testable, though. So they think it might be related. Oh, do you think Yeah, so I, oh, okay. I mean, that case is No, like, and I'm okay to be told I'm wrong. I, you so know, Kyle, yeah. I'm with you. I feel like that is such a nightmare example case. Yeah. And in his case, yeah. Yeah. And him, like, his profile, he said he had, like, 160 IQ, and he oh, okay. spoke five languages and had a neuroscience And it turned out he PhD. was homeless on the side of the road or something. Well, he was, yeah. like, a felon and oh my God. had this history and a college dropout and had a history of schizophrenia. Wow. And so I think that then when these parents found out who he was, that was pretty traumatic. So, right. so Kyle, I'm, I mean, I am amazed to hear the differences that there isn't the testing, you know, but it also – but you're right that there are these scandals where – there was someone who went through a sperm bank matter. and everyone yeah. understood him to be one thing and he wasn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to be applying to either cryo, California Cryobank or Fairfax, maybe in a, uh, I think, I think this, like maybe the end of the year, um, Fairfax, I think I may apply for because it's a six month program. And uh, so I'd be taking a break for six months, donating to Fairfax if I end up getting accepted. So I'll get genetic testing then. So that'll be a fun. Uh, oh, there's also one other thing that about the scandal I do want to bring up. So there's a guy, I don't know if you know the bachelor the show. Uh, I, I haven't watched it since for okay, long, well, many, many, many years, but yeah, I know the concept of the show. Yeah. This season on the bachelorette, there's a guy, a 25 year old man. He donated to a sperm bank and I believe it was Cytex as well. He has 114 donor kids at the age of 25 and he's on this season. Wow. Oh, and, and by the way, the bachelor house is a few houses up the street from me. So that's another weird thing. It's right up the street from me. It's a couple of houses away from me. So um, when they film it, so I mean, maybe I should apply for the bachelor. I mean, if he got on, if he, if, he, if he got on as a contestant, maybe I have a good shot then. Well, I heard you weren't a relationship person. Right, right. Well, well, for the you know for the bachelorette, maybe I can give it a go. You know, maybe, I, maybe, I, maybe uh, I'll see what happens. You know, so he got on. So um, and there. I mean, that is interesting, too. There are a lot of interesting examples of kind of similar or adjacent cases. And I know when we touched base, we talked briefly about um, Ari Nagel, is that, I think that's his name, in New York, where he he has been known and kind of out there publicly about doing private donations similar to what you've been doing. And had, I think he has like five he women. Has, who, yeah, it was, who, it was five child women. Child support for him. It, yes. Is that right? It was, okay, so yeah. it was five women. And then total amount of kids that he pays for is nine. Wow. Well, he has three of his own, right? Yeah. So I think he's counting his Not own counting. three. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he counts his own three. So it was it's nine women total if you count um, his. And then, uh, yeah, I'm sure you read his article, recent article. I don't know. I did see his most recent article, but I did follow the recent kind of Israeli um, ban where he had been donating to women in Israel. And in Israel, they have a regulation that you're either – open and agreeing to support and raise the child or you're anonymous and because he didn't fall into those categories he was banned from donating yeah and they threw out his sperm in the banks they destroyed it so so that's hey maybe i mean shit if he's banned maybe it's time for me to go out to israel I've, I haven't. Used, I, I actually. I actually. I, I'm actually. I'm, actually, I'm Jewish as well. I'm Jewish as well, so I actually can still go. On, I'm sure you heard of birthright, so I can go on uh, my birthright out there. And are, are you too old? Isn't it? Doesn't no. It's it? they just actually up to. It used to be 27, but now they actually just a few months ago they increased the age to 32. What luck for me. Um, so I yes I am. I just barely hit that that age. So pretty much. Um, I can still go until I'm 32. So, hey, if any woman... If you have the same, unless they change the law, it sounds like you have the same legal problem. That Unless you're saying, yes, I'm going to be a parent to this child. Well, I don't you know, have to say. Who, 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 says, who says you have to say you're, you're, uh, 
your donut there. Form, so you have to check it off. And so he had been checking off like, yes, I will be a parent. And then they researched him and saw, no, that's not, that's not practical. And that's unlikely to be true because you live in New York and you father all these children. And that's when they threw it out. Yeah, maybe it won't work then. Maybe, um, maybe uh, we I can would... connect you with an Israeli attorney. Right? Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. I mean, maybe just go there to donate then, like one time or something. Maybe just like, find out. I, I've always wanted. Israel's been on my list. To, I have like a list of like sixty cities around the world I want to visit. So you know, Israel's one of them anyway. So go out there and donate anyways. Yeah. So how many states do you have kids in? Uh, oh, this is gonna be a tough one. Uh, California, Nevada. Texas, Pennsylvania, and I think Virginia Beach. I think that's in Virginia. And then maybe, I don't know if they move back, maybe South Carolina. I don't know if they, I think, I don't know. I don't know. I think she's, I don't know if she moved back. She was going to move back to somewhere else. She's going to move out of state. I just don't know if she moved yet. What do you feel you get out of? donating like i said what i get out of it like like i said i guess the thing what i get out of it i get a kid out of it i don't because i don't really know what to say if you're saying i could say well i'm i could obviously say well i'm altruistic i'm doing this but in reality i am kind of getting a kid out of it like i mean anyone like even when you go to a sperm bank you're getting to have a kid for free essentially assuming they don't go to transport you are you know it is free, so I am technically getting a kid out of it. Have you – I know you're in contact with a lot of the kids. Have you thought through kind of how you'll approach and what you tell kids as they get older, especially like, hey, you're my you're my genetic father, but you weren't in my life? You know, what – how do you talk about that? Well, um, I think that um, – hmm. I think it's it's going to be very casual. Like, hey, I, I, I'm probably going to be funny about it. Honestly, I'm probably going to be funny about it and be like, hey, kid, I made you. Uh, I'm your daddy or something. I'm going I'm to kind of joke about it. You know what I mean? I think I look at it this way. It's better to be, joke around it instead of being serious. To me, like, that's how I look at it. Like, if you go out and you're funny and you, you kind of joke about it, I think they're going to take it a lot better than you say, well, I didn't, you know, obviously I did it and I just, you know, whatever. So I'm probably going to, you know, be funny about it until we get along and everything. And I'm I know sure. I've been a little bit comparing it to other kind of other systems of donation. Have you ever been through a mental health screening or counseling? Um, I don't think so. For sperm donation? Mm-hmm. Just so, it's so common in other aspects. So, you know, make sure uh, you're not crazy. I, I mean, I, I think – well, obviously, I'd say no, but obviously, women can talk to me, and they can see how I am in general. Like like I said, when you meet – when you go to a sperm bank, you don't get to see that kid, so you can't evaluate their their mental status to see if they're crazy. But in this case, the woman can talk to me, and they can see for themselves what – you know, what how I am or something like that. So – Obviously, obviously, everyone's not going to be perfect. Obviously, everyone has different personalities. And obviously, not everyone's – I'm not going to be everyone's knight in shiny armor because everyone has a different appeal on who's perfect. You know what I mean? Most people, yeah, obviously, are going to like me. They're, they like my personality. They like who I am. Um, they like, you know, education, whatever. But obviously, there's some people like, well, I don't like that guy. I think this guy – He's just not my type. He, uh, you know, we just don't fit. We just don't blend. It, it, it's, you know what I mean? Some people just, it's like, it's like with dating a little bit. It's just like right. some people. And one, one huge advantage of you or a known or private donation is that you get to make that assessment versus a bank where you never have. Yeah. Yeah. They get to make the assessment themselves instead of a bank making that determination. Cause really um, anyone can donate to a sperm bank. I know a guy that was bisexual that was donating to a sperm bank and he just lied. He said, oh, I, I never – did you tell them you're bisexual? I was like, no, I never told them. There was a story recently a couple of days ago. There was a gay man in the 80s donating to a sperm bank, and he lied. And he said – because, you know, gay men can't donate to sperm banks, but he 
said um, on the interview he he lied. I have nothing against obviously gays or anything donating the sperm bank, but I'm just yeah, making the point. Like, that, is that still the case? Is I would there, say. What, do you know? Yes. What the, do you know what the justification okay. is for that? Yeah, you can't. You can't. You can't be gay or bisexual and donate to a sperm bank. You can't. They won't let you. Uh, but in the 80s, he they wouldn't let him donate, so he just lied and said he was straight. And then he came out later and said, yeah, like on the article, yeah, I said I was straight just to donate. So. Really, there's no way to properly screen a guy. It's really impossible. That's what the point is. I honestly, I think the screening's just a way for sperm banks to charge more money for the sperm. That's really what the screening is. I mean, anyone could go pay 200, 300 bucks for an STD test. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, you could go to a bar right now, probably get a guy and pay two, three hundred dollars for his, or you know, go to a college. That's what it is. I, I, you can literally go to a college right now. Pay, tell a guy, here's, I'll give you $200 to give me your sperm and I'll give you an STD test and pay for two, $300 for STD test. So really, you know, sperm is anywhere. There's another option out there. I'm not, saying, out. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying every guy will do it, but tell me, let me tell you, if there's a, if you're at a, if you're a poor college student in a, like in the, in the degree in like engineering or something, you need money. Trust me, you'll donate your sperm to someone. You will donate your sperm to someone for a few hundred bucks and save them money on a sperm bank, which will charge you like 800 for the sperm and I think 1200 for the insemination. Um, well, I think we're going to wrap up, but Kyle, it's been, um, it's been very interesting to hear kind of your perspective and how this has been working. A lot of it is um, new and fascinating. Definitely. Should we, um, should we like post where people can find me if they're curious about, oh, where can I find this guy? Yeah, um, definitely. You can go ahead and say if you'd like. Okay. Yeah, no, definitely. So, well, obviously people can find me on Facebook at Kyle Gordy. Um, I'm the guy in the beanie, and it literally says sperm donor um, in my name. Is it like also, a sperm beanie? <laughs> no, it is a beanie. So Kyle Gordy, K-Y-L-E space G-U, no, G O. R-D-Y, just like Barry Gordy. And then you can also find me on Instagram, Kyle Gordy, Twitter, Kyle Gordy, and then YouTube, Kyle Gordy. And also you can contact me through my website, bepregnantnow.com. You know, it just has a bunch of fertility oh, wow. advice. So, <laughs> be um, pregnant now? Wow. Yeah, bepregnantnow.com. So I have many outlets for people to find me. Um, so that's pretty much everything, I guess. Um, if anyone's interested, I'll be glad to talk to them about potentially helping them have a kid. Thank you for your openness and for sharing with us. Thank you, Kyle, for joining us on the podcast and sharing your story and your perspective. There's definitely all kinds of um, views when it comes to come to this world and helping people have a family. Yeah, no, it's very true. And interestingly, with that, um, we are going to go take a little bit of a break and go spend a little bit of time with our families. Uh, end of the season, take a few weeks off, get to go uh, play in a little bit of the summer heat, right? Um, <laughs> hopefully before it's completely gone and the kids go back to school. But we would be I interested. Feel like it's, in it's around oh, for a while still. Wait, what, for- summer? Yeah, well, the heat at least. Oh, okay. I was like, but but they go back to school, and then the summer is over. Counting down. No, I mean. Oh, oh, wait, the other way, right? Wait. Oh, yay! We can finally get back to life again. (laughs) Um, No, I actually, I mean, with with everything with Kyle, and while we're on break, we love to hear from people, and we would really love to hear your opinions and your take on everything. Our hotline, a number that people are welcome to call always, is three zero three nine nine seven. 1903 and we would love to hear from you love to hear your feedback either send emails give us calls and um we will so that we can keep in touch while we're on our summer break so we'll we'll miss all of you so keep in touch with us but thanks to all of our team for helping us um, with our podcast. So Chris at Work at Bird Studios, Amanda, um, who keeps the train runnings, Ashley, Tyler, who does such a great job getting getting this out there. Um, who'd I miss? Who else? Uh, Lexi. 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 We love yes. Lexi. Mm-hmm. Yes. And to we- you, our listeners, thank you so much for, for listening in. Thank you. Have a great break. 